University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. I invite you to join me in a responsive litany. Uh, the words you'll read up on the screen are found in a white here at the bottom. When we are all despairing, when the world is full of grief, when we see no way ahead and hope has gone away, roll back the stone. Although we fear change, although we are not ready, although we'd rather weep, and run away, roll back the stone. Because we are coming with the women, because we hope where hope is in vain, because you call us from the grave and show us the way, roll back the stone. If you have your Bibles with you, take a look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, Verse one. Now, as a good father, I raised my children in the ways of the force, which means I'm proud to say that my girls know the tales of Star Wars. Some parents who don't love their children will start their children in the prequel trilogies as if the prequel trilogies hold a candle to the original trilogy. And because they do that, they ruin the greatest plot twist in cinematic history. That being that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. And as a good father, I filmed my children experiencing this revelation for the first time. Let's, let's watch it. Don't you just love a good plot twist? You see, our text for this morning is an unexpected plot twist because you have to know the plot to get us where we are going. I want you to place yourself in the shoes of the characters from our text. Imagine that you have left everything. You have left home and family and work and everything you know to follow this rabbi for three years. Your family rejects you because of your decision. Society looks at you as if this man is crazy. And three days earlier, your leader was arrested by the Jewish temple guards and taken before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. They threw accusations at him about his teachings about the kingdom of God coming, his claims about being the son of man. And as a result of all this, they spit on him. They beat him. But they realized they don't have anything to to condemn him with, and so they bring him before Pontius Pilate, the Roman procurator, and in hopes of appeasing the crowd, uh, Pilate allows them to crucify Jesus. And so he's, he's flogged and he's scourged. Imagine uh, a whip that on the end of the whip has bones and glass, and this is what Jesus was beat with again and again, tearing away at his back and his ribs and his stomach as they were exposed. 
They, they smashed a crown of thorns down on his head. They threw a robe on him and they started to mock him, humiliating him, saying he is the king of the Jews. And as if that wasn't bad enough, they then put his execution burden on his back and forced him to walk through the streets where people began to jeer at him and mock him. When he got to the place of his execution, they flung him down on the ground, they tore out his beard, they stretched out one arm, dislocating another to put it into a prefixed hole, then nailed him to a cross and lifted him there. The word excruciating was, was created to describe what someone experienced on the cross. On the ground, in front of Jesus, the Roman soldiers began to play games with his personal items, betting them away. The religious leaders laughed, and there before him is his mother and some of his father followers mourning his death. And it says that Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Aloy, aloy, lampa sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with that, he died. This is where the followers of Jesus are left on Friday. This is where they are for three days. They're left with the ending they were not expecting. And so in this horrible and traumatic death that draws these women to this tomb where Jesus' body is laid days earlier, they come to fulfill their Jewish custom, which was to prepare the body with perfumes and to wrap it, to, to prepare it so that it would lay in rest for over a year. And then after a year, families would come and they would collect the bones of their loved ones and put it into something called an ossuary, a container of their previous family members' bones. This is a place of devastation, a place of loss. Do you remember the Martin Scorsese film, Shutter Island? It came out about 10 years ago, and it tells the story of this detective that comes to a mental institution to investigate the disappearance of a patient. And the detective plunges deep into this dark and sinister story of lies and deceit and corruption of the doctors and the medical workers, only to discover in the end that the detective himself has been hallucinating this entire time. He is, in fact, one of the patients at the mental institute and has been playing out this fantasy in his head the whole time. He's not leaving the island because he's the prisoner of his own insanity. That's, that's a pretty awful plot twist. You see, for many of us listening to this story, this is what we feel. We can feel like we can kind of relate to this. You see, for the last couple of weeks, we felt like prisoners in our own home. And I know that seems like a stretch, but it is emotional turmoil that many people have facing. You see, you've been locked out of what is normal, what is familiar, what is certain to you. You, you have no routine, no normalcy, no sense of freedom. There, there's no gym, no yoga studio, no going out of the office, no going to class, no hanging out with friends, no going to the ball game, no going out for shopping, and so much more. It feels like you are the victim of a bad plot twist that you weren't expecting. I feel as though you are mournfully walking through this new story that you do not want to live. And this is the tone of our narrative we pick up. It says in verse 1, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled back away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember 
when he told you while you were still with him in Galilee, the Son of Man will be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day raised again. Now that's a great plot twist. You see, in the, in the shock of the absence of the body, these two women are startled uh, by what we are told are messengers of angels of the Lord. And I love how Luke described them as having uh, their clothes gleaning like lightning. It's like the angels decided they would bleach everything before they came just to make sure their appearance was known. And there they stood like daylight in front of them. And they didn't miss a beat. They said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He, he's, he's bringing them this news that they actually have already heard before. But it's news that is now fulfilled. Now, now imagine yourself in this moment, the shock of not seeing Christ's body, the shock of seeing these two people standing before you, this overwhelming message that's brought before them, and they're told not to be afraid. The experience of this moment it brings everything into perspective. Everything changes on these words. And it says this in verse 8, Then they remembered his words. When they looked back from the tomb, they were told all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told them to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because the words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. I love out of fear of this moment, their fear quickly turns into amazement and to joy as they sprint out of the tomb. And they go to the disciples. And they go to tell the disciples in typical fashion we should expect men in this moment. They're hurtled away. They're, they're, they're cowering away. They're, they're scared of what's happening in this moment. But at the same time, we need to realize one of the most important things, one of the, the biggest moments in history, is that it is women who preach the most important message the world had ever heard. It is the message that he has risen. And for those that think that women have no place in ministry, certainly behind a pulpit like this, we need to remind ourselves of this moment, that the most important message ever preached in human history was done by women. And I love how the disciples don't believe it in themselves. They, they believe that this is nonsense in this moment. And so they, they scurry away. They, they go and they try to find out for themselves. A poll has been going around on social media over the last couple of weeks asking people a list of, of movies they could watch over and over again without getting tired of. And near the top of that list for me is the movie Shawshank Redemption. Now, it tells the story of Andy Dufresne, who is sentenced to life in, in prison for a crime he, he didn't commit. And while the story shows the downward spiral of this man left with no hope, with, with the corruption of a prison warden, he's left, we're left at the climax of this movie believing that Andy is going to end his life. But instead, we discover with the prison guards and his fellow inmates that, in fact, Andy had been digging a tunnel in his cell for the last 20 years concealed behind a Rita Hoffworth uh, poster. But he gets to freedom. And, and not only is he trying to get to freedom, but the, the journey there was difficult. He had to go through not just this tunnel, but he had to crawl 500 yards through the prison sewage waistline before he falls into the baptismal freedom of clean water in this creek. 
You see, the story of Shawshank Redemption is a story of confinement and incarceration and certain death with a twist of unexpected life at the end. This is the kind of plot twist we all need right now. Can you remember the last time the world has been disrupted by one solitary crisis? It's probably been since the Second World War, since every country, every tribe, every ethnicity has been affected by uh, this cataclysmic event. And personally, when is the last time that you found your life has been disrupted physically and emotionally and relationally and economically and spiritually? These last several weeks have been trying for most, though we can't even begin to imagine what those who have who've lost loved ones to this crisis have experienced. And all of this has undoubtedly left a feeling of a gambit of emotions within us, of fear and anger and disillusion and confusion and disappointment and frustration and worry and despair. And yet, we look to Sunday. We need the power of Easter Sunday now in our lives, in our community, in our world, more than ever before. We need resurrection now more than ever. As the great Henry Nouwen put it, Easter brings the awareness that God is present even when God's presence is not directly noticed. Easter allows us to confirm that although God seems very distant and although we remain preoccupied with many little things, our Lord walks with us on the road and keeps explaining the scriptures to us. We need resurrection now more than ever. We opened our sermon with the greatest plot twist in cinematic history, Darth Vader's revelation to Luke Skywalker that he is his father in the same film, Empire Strikes Back. Did you know that the original storyline had a very different ending? When Han Solo is captured, he's handed, handed over to the bounty hunter Bubba Fett. He, he delivers this great exchange of a dialogue with Princess Leia. I love you. I know, one of the greatest lines in cinematic history. And then he's frozen in carbonite. This actually was originally supposed to be it. Like finito, done, thin, the end. Han Solo was originally supposed to just be a two-episode character leaving the Rebel Alliance with even greater motivation in the return of the Jedi. But thank God that plot twist changed altogether. You see, the resurrection is a plot twist we need to give us new and repurposed life. As Frederick Buechner wrote, resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In Jesus, all dead things find new and repurposed life. Bad choices, bad past, grace is given by the Spirit of God to impart a path of redemption. Bad relationships, Jesus calls us to reconciliation. Hate and judgment, Jesus calls us to the living, giving power of love. Violence and harmful words, Jesus calls us to mercy and peace. Oppression and discrimination, Jesus calls us to inclusiveness and justice. The endless spiral of more stuff and money in our life, Jesus calls us to live with enough trusting in God's provisions. Stress and worry, Jesus begs us to cast our fears and anxieties on him. Jesus isn't just inviting us into life down the road, life in the age to come. Jesus is inviting us into life now. And it's through Jesus' death and resurrection that we find true life in the present. Through God's immeasurable love and grace, we can experience a life without carried back and forth by our passions and desires, but following Christ 
Christ sets out and carries us in the path of our daily journey. We are called to experience the resurrection now. Through Christ, we can know the power of fulfillment and God that, that God promises us to give us what God promises. That God's love and grace and mercy can transform us and our world now and in the many years to come. You see, the life Christ brings is not some distant after death thing. It's also for the here and now. It's revitalizing, it's awakening, it's life-giving. Jesus' resurrection is for new and repurposed life now. Jesus' resurrection is a world-altering plot twist. Jesus is inviting you into this story. Do you believe in God's power of love to bring all dead things to life? Do you believe in the power of God's grace to repurpose lives for beauty and peace and transformation? Today, we don't celebrate the death of God, but the resurrection of God's Son who chose this path before him so that we might experience life now and in the age to come. He is not here. He is alive. That is an invitation from God, an invitation to follow Jesus into life. Can you accept God's gift of love to you? Can you choose to follow not a dead religious figure, but a living God? Can you leave behind death, discovering resurrection and new life in Christ? How might you experience the power of the resurrection in your life today? How might you experience the resurrection by bringing it to others? How might you be a part of this community experiencing resurrection? What part will you play in our world discovering resurrection? As the great Jürgen Moltmann put it, believing in the resurrection does not just mean assenting to dogma and noting a historical fact. It means participating in God's creative act. Resurrection is not a consoling opium, soothing us with the promise of a better world hereafter. It is the energy of rebirth in life now. The hope doesn't point to another world. It focuses on redemption in this one. Let's pray together. Do not look for the risen Jesus only here. In the confines of our homes, in the confines of what can feel like an isolating space, Lord, help us to experience your risen Lord now. May we feel it in our bones. May we feel it in the fibers of our souls, may you awaken within us new life. God, give us courage to not cling to what is old and what is dead. But may we cling to this good news that Christ is alive. And new possibilities, new life, new repurposed life is possible now. Christ has risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.